Good evening. If we haven't met, my name is Amanda, and I'm an intern here at HTC, and it is so great to be with you at our second ever Summer Nights of 2021. Uh, thank you. Um, Lydia, I can't see her, she's there. Lydia kicked off our series last week looking at the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And um, I always think this is the original church story of come because there's free food. Um, and this week we are looking at the story immediately afterwards in Matthew's gospel where Jesus walks on water. So I'm going to read it to us. So immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And, then, and when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all who were ill to him and begged him to let those who were ill just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. When I was given this passage to speak about this evening, one part of me was thrilled because it's a great story. And one part of me um, panicked because it's such a familiar story. Um, and I think it's one that we've all heard many, many times. But what I want to do tonight is to try and see it with fresh eyes. And um, if you will, come and stretch your imagination with me. Because I have two questions for us this morning. And the first one is, where are you in the story? Because I think there are three groups of people in this story. And all of us, we will relate to them in slightly different ways. And the first group is the crowd. This story, it, it begins and it ends with a crowd. Jesus has just fed the 5,000. And the Gospels, particularly Matthew, talk a lot about the crowd around Jesus, don't they? And the crowd are, well, they're a crowd. They're nameless and faceless for the most part. And, and that is in deliberate contrast to the named and known disciples. And the crowds follow Jesus, not because they are sold out on following him, but because of his miracles. Jesus, he, he draws a crowd. And in the church, we can sometimes be a little bit like the crowd. 
you know, it's easy to follow someone or something when everyone around you is doing the same thing. When there's good food and good music and good company, it's easy to cheer the miracles, isn't it? What is harder is when the company has gone and the music has died down and following Jesus isn't just a pick-me-up, raise a hallelujah on a Sunday, but it is the everyday decision to take up your cross. And in the story we heard last week, it says, when Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed those who were ill. And at the end of our passage, it is exactly the same. Jesus lands and a crowd gathers and they beg him to heal those who are ill and to just touch the edge of his cloak and all who touched it, they were healed. Jesus' response to the crowd is compassion. And his lightest touch, it brings healing and it restores life. And I, and I think some of us tonight, if we are honest, we are feeling slightly on the edge. Maybe, you know, you want to follow Jesus, but you're frightened of when the rubber hits the road and it gets tough. Or maybe you've been away from church for a long time and you love the sense of community, you love being in the building, but you also like the anonymity of being on the edge. Or maybe you're in the building physically, but internally in your heart, actually you're keeping Jesus at arm's length. And Jesus, he has compassion for you. And anyone in that crowd, anyone, had the potential to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And the second group tonight is the disciples, the ones who were in the boat. And um, you've got a feel for these disciples, right? In verse 22, Jesus had made them get into this boat and go on ahead of him. And it's the middle of the night and they are a considerable distance from the shore, which is Bible speak for their miles away. And... They've left everything to follow Jesus. And whenever they ask him a question, he replies in riddles. And they don't really know where they're going. And they're probably on the Pharisees' most wanted list. But hey, anyway, it's church, there's free food. And, and right now, this, this storm brews up, right? And they still have no idea where Jesus is. He's far away on the land somewhere, and they're on this lake. And he keeps them sweating, right? You know, wait until verse 25 before he responds. And it's dawn by this point. And Jesus walks out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him, they were terrified. It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. And we all have different responses to storms. And these guys, they are so flipping freaked that they don't recognize Jesus when he comes for them. They actually think the savior of the world is a ghost. And um, it sounds funny, but then I, I reread this passage and I thought about my own responses to the stress and the anxiety of the last year. And it is no secret that pressure or sheer tiredness can make us behave in silly or irrational ways, is it? And um, it was like when I needed my much needed cup of coffee and I poured cold water from the kettle into the cafetiere. Or when I called my lovely fiance, James Frank, which is the name of his dog. <laughs> and uh, um, so actually, I was really pleased when I was researching this to learn that one of the symptoms of prolonged stress is forgetfulness and feeling overwhelmed, as well as feeling agitated or like you're losing control or you need to take control 
It can be low self-esteem and constant worrying and inability to focus and poor judgment. And, and sometimes it's only seeing the negative side. And if you have struggled with any of those things, then so have I. And I, I think there's a lie that we can tell ourselves as Christians, isn't there? That following Jesus somehow means that we are immune from life's storms. We kid ourselves that we are above difficulties like stress or sleeplessness or anxiety or panic attacks. And actually, when those things do happen, there's this bigger lie that we ought to be able to deal with them on our own. And when we can't in our own strength, we feel ashamed. And, and I wonder how often in that there's also a need to take control and to play God. And there's, this, there's a very natural craving for security and for familiarity and for comfort in a storm, isn't there? And, and I wonder, if Jesus knew everything, then did he know that there was going to be a storm? And, and the, that these ex-fishermen, that they knew how to handle a boat, and did he know that it was going to be about dawn when they would get to their limit and he would have to come and rescue them? God, he knows us. He knows what we need and he knows what our limits are. Paul writes in Corinthians that no temptation, no trial has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. But God is faithful. He will not let you be tested beyond what you can bear. But when you are tested, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. Following Jesus, getting into that boat and not really having a clue where you're going half of the time, there, there will be storms and there will be trials and there will be temptations and you will not be able to control them. But I love how Jesus responds to his disciples. Immediately, he says, take courage, it is I don't be afraid. And I know that you know that Jesus is with you and his presence is all that you need. But just so that you know, Jesus is with you and his presence is all that you need. And sometimes we will not recognize God when he is speaking to us in a storm. Sometimes I think we almost don't want to focus because actually we know it means giving back that control that we're holding on to. And we don't always like the way that God answers our prayers. He doesn't do it in the way that we expect, huh? And, and he may not come in that, in that way that you expect. And you may not recognize him straight away, but he has compassion. And he says, don't be afraid. And actually he invites us, even in the storm, to join him in the water, the most out of control place that you could be. Because the third person in this story is Peter. And the first place where you can be in the story is in the water. And we all know this story. Lord, if it's you, impetuous Peter, tell me to come to you on the water. Out he jumps, walks on the water and comes towards Jesus. But when he sees the wind, he's afraid and beginning to cry beginning to sink cries out lord save me and immediately jesus reaches out his hand and catches him you of little faith why did you doubt peter he he responds with fear 
with faith, sorry, but he sinks with fear. And the word doubt that Jesus uses here, it literally means to be divided into two halves. Matthew, he could not make the contrast between faith and fear more clear. And then they climbed into the boat, and just like that, the wind dies down. Matthew, he could not make the power of Jesus to save even clearer. And um, to quote John Allberg, if you want to walk on water, then you have got to get out of the boat. And um, if I'm honest, at the moment, I feel a little bit like Peter. So I've been at HTC for three years now, and um, to use the boat analogy, it's felt like such a safe vessel, and I've got to be here with all of you. And um, in September, I am off to Vicar Factory, um, and I'll begin my training as an ordinand, which is very exciting. Um, but I will also be leaving HTC. Um, so I'm being sent to another church to train there and not here. And I'm so excited for what's next. And I'm also completely terrified, and I'm also just really sad that I have to leave. Um, and if I may, I, I'd like to encourage us this evening. Because my sense when I was praying for tonight is that some of us, we know that we are being called and actually that we are being called to step out of our boat. And, and, and some of us, I think, actually, we know that God has put a calling on your life and it's been there for a while. And it, it's like that fight between faith and between fear. And the thing is that fear will blind us from seeing Jesus. But the good news is that Jesus, he sees you. And he says, all you need to do is keep your eyes fixed on me. In Hebrews, Jesus is described as the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus, he is the beginning point and he is the end point. So keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And the easiest way to do that is in worship and in prayer. It's what Jesus modeled for us in verse 23, and it's how the disciples respond in verse 33. And, and to quote from John Albert again, he said this about worship. I need to worship because without it, I can forget that I have a big God beside me and live in fear. I need to worship because without it, I can forget his calling and begin to live in a spirit of self-preoccupation. I need to worship because without it, I lose a sense of wonder and gratitude and plod through life with blinkers on. I need to worship because my natural tendency is towards self-reliance and stubborn independence. And the revelation in this story, it is not that Jesus can miraculously provide food, walk on water and calm a storm. Pretty cool though those things are. But the revelation is what the disciples proclaim when they worship him and say, truly, you are the son of God. That's the revelation. That is the cornerstone of our faith upon which Jesus will build his church. And the thing is, it, it isn't until we step out of the crowd and into the boat that we can join Jesus in this wild adventure that is discipleship. And it isn't until we step out of the boat and into the water that we go into this even wilder adventure of total trust and total dependency. And this story is, it's about trusting Jesus, it's about faith. 
and the crowd, the disciples in the boat, Peter on the water, none of them had perfect faith. None of them saw Jesus perfectly. But all of them had a perfect saviour. And, and I began by asking, where are you in the story? Are you in the crowd? Are you kind of slightly on the edges? Are you in the boat? Have you committed to following him, but have you been knocked about a bit by the storms of life? Or are you on the water, sort of reaching out in faith, but frightened of drowning? Or are you even playing God? Wherever you are tonight, Jesus, he has compassion for you. And I said I had two questions, and the first was, where are you in this story? And I want to finish by asking, do you see Jesus? Wherever you are, do you see Jesus? We make this story about us, but it's about Jesus. Jesus who touches with compassion and brings healing. Jesus who responds to our needs and is with us in the storm. And Jesus who says, take courage, don't be afraid, it is I. And can we pray? Should we pray? Lord, I, I thank you that you are with us now. That you are present by your Holy Spirit. And you have power to, to bring healing to bring life and to renew and restore hearts that are battered and bruised. And I thank you, Lord, that you, you give us courage. And Lord, we, we remember again tonight that we can endure storms because you endured the cross, that you are the author and the finisher of our faith, our ending and our beginning. And we lay before you tonight our own our own inadequacies, our fears, our fears of failure, our fears of being laughed at, our fears of being unseen. We, we leave it at your feet again, Jesus. And we choose to fix our eyes on you again. Lord, we choose to open our hearts to you, to open our ears to you, to hear your voice calling us onwards and outwards, saying, take courage, it is I. And we admit our, our need of you, that we need your courage, we need you, Holy Spirit. So I pray, Holy Spirit, come now. Come fall afresh on us now and fill us again. Fill us up, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.